Oh, wait, okay, wait. So, what... I need to stop, like, hedging when, when I'm like, oh, and I super have, or whatever. Like, what do I say? I think it's good on its own. Okay. I super have read it, just not recently. Yeah, you don't... I don't think you have to qualify that. I think it's a good tagline. I think it just happened by accident, too, so let's just roll with it. Okay. Um, welcome to the homestake... Fuck. Every oh. week. <laughs> Every week. Welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast, the podcast where we read Homestuck and tell you about it. My name's Alex, and I have not read Homestuck before. My name's Lydia, and I super have. And today, we are continuing Act 5, wherein we meet many trolls. We do. We don't actually meet that many new ones this week. I think we met, we meet, like, two of them, and we've both seen them before, so they're not the most... We, like, we meet, like, two and a half. We meet, like, three, including two <laughs> half-trolls and, like, a teaser, we're in that part of the story now, where he's teasing different right. characters constantly, so. Yeah. So, yeah, we get two named trolls and a bunch of teasers. Right. I'm slowly removing my fist from my mouth in terms of, of people's names. Yeah. It's, it's getting easier. <laughs> One of my notes, late, later on in the reading, I, like, <laughs> named three characters. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I can actually do that. Yeah, it's really cool that they're not, like, mysterious figures anymore. They're, like people yeah uh if you're following along at home we're reading pages 39 29 to 39 92 so you just flip the last two digits there yes nice um and we start out start uh, out start out um <laughs> at terezi's room we meet terezi yeah it's super weird to hear you say their names out loud <laughs> But yes, we, so we don't immediately know that it's her, but like, it's, this is who we're about to meet. Um, Terezi Pyrope, and she lives in a tree, which she has decorated with garish bright colors in like every way possible, including like chalk drawings on the walls and mm-hmm. um, these things that I would call like oriental rugs, um, but they're in like highlighter colors and like... It turns out she's got their dragon scales. Dragons live in her forest, so she's got dragon scales, which are, like, the size of your face and yeah. look like a psychedelic poster. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a really cool room. It's super cool. I would, I, of all of the kids' rooms, like, that we've seen so far, I would super live in her room. Yeah, I think you would. Mm-hmm. I would, too, honestly. It's, it's, it's cool looking. And none mm-hmm. of the colors are, like, too much for me. Right. Like, almost more than... Some of the Earth uh, locations, um, the color schemes in on Alternia, although out of this world, are very pleasing. Yeah, yeah, they're very like. Well, okay, so what color coordinations or combinations didn't you like on Earth? Um, I can't remember specifically, but like I was talking way earlier in the podcast about like some of the colors just like clashing for me and being uncomfortable. Like purple and green are two that I don't like to see together. Oh, which so is you a lo- were not which a is, fan is of comic. Barney. Yeah, which is comic has a lot of. Hmm. Um, but in this reading, I see a lot of cool colors. Nice. There's a... Mm, we'll talk about purple and green in another couple hundred pages. <laughs> well, there's still a lot of it, but I'm, I guess I'm warming up to it. Yeah. We'll make a purple and green fan of you. Yeah. I'm actually... <laughs> I'm wearing one purple sock and one green sock right now. Of course. So, but I guess we can't be friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's Terezi Pyrope, mm-hmm. uh, and 
did you get up to the point in Undertale where we meet Pyrope? Nope. Cause Pyro- okay, so Pyrope is like a little coil of rope that's on fire. That's adorable. Yeah. Uh, and clearly it was named after Terezi Pyrope, because uh, if you don't know at home, um, Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale, is a musician on Homestuck as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so some things about Terezi herself are she's really into live-action role-playing, which is mm-hmm. two things. It's her playing pretend with her little dragon plushies, who she calls scalemates. Uh, she plays, like, pretend courtroom and, and everything. Well, the thing is that she she's she says that she's pretending to play pretend. She's, saying yeah. she's trying to convince everyone she knows that she believes that they're alive. Um, but the line, like, it's, it's blurry as to whether she really still believes that or not. It's really, really sweet because yeah. I, there's a couple of instances in this week's reading in particular where I'm able to look back on it, like, on this reading and, and recognize that these are, like, smart kids like, doing yeah. the, the things that smart kids do when they're trying to, like, move on, or when they're aware that they feel like they should be moving on from the things that they enjoyed doing as, like, young children, but at the same time, they still really enjoy doing them. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, like, <clears throat> these kids, these weird alien insect kids acting like real 13-year-olds. Yeah, and it's really sweet. Um, And it's really, like, interesting to see the ways in which, like, they... We'll get to more of it later, but, like, they, they they talk, you know, especially when they're just talking among themselves, you know, it, they sound like adults, mm-hmm. and as we'll learn later, they're kind of in sort of an adult situation um, in terms of, like, their responsibility and everything, but at the same time, like, they are still kids, and they're still learning how to, like, regulate their emotions and, like, figure out their identities and stuff, so. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway, so, <laughs> Terezi likes to LARP. She does. Um, she's also really into um, draconian law. Like she, mm-hmm. ac- according to her, um, the Alternian law system is very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, um, I forget what Karkat aspires to be, but she aspires to be a legislatorator, mm-hmm. like a legislator and an eviscerator. Um, oh, I was just thinking like lacerator. Oh yeah, you're right. Actually, but either way. Erator is the operative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, draconian, like, dragons. That right. Was, that was my joke, not Andrew Hussey's. That's good. Thanks. Um, oh, also there was an accident. Uh, she makes reference to an accident before which she enjoyed more extreme LARPing with her friends. Right. And so that, I assume, is that is when she lost her vision. Mm-hmm. She also points out that, well, she, her narration text, points out that uh, it's pretty hard to live-action roleplay when there is no one who is alive nearby, which is a really fun and obtuse way to uh, talk about, like, things that are unborn, undead, hmm. otherwise inanimate. <laughs> right. Because she does live alone in a treehouse in the right. forest. She lives alone in a treehouse in the forest, but as we're going to find out a little bit later, she communicates with people still. It's, it's weird. We'll get to it. Okay. Um, first, we're going to learn a little bit about the Alternian justice system as demonstrated through Terezi's charming um, LARP session. Yeah, so she acts out a courtroom uh, drama where one of her dragons is a... 
I guess, like a corrupt uh, senator, which is mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know if they really have senators there, but basically the chalk drawing on the wall is the judge, but instead of your honor, it's your tyranny. Yeah. Um, and basically in Alternian law, there's no such thing as defense. There's no defense attorney uh, and the word defense is offensive in the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically she, for a little while, she just kind of, uh, interrogates the, the plush, but most of the interrogation is in the intimidating silence. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just like, uh, not looking, but like facing the, the plush directly with a very stern expression. Yeah. Um, she, she slaps this stuffed dragon around a little bit. But not too hard. But not too hard, because you don't want to bruise. <laughs> it's it's a very cute scene, basically. It's really, like, charming. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's really into law. She's, like, law books hanging around. And then um, she, you know, discovers the embezzled beetles, mm-hmm. which I guess are currency, and, uh, and convicts him. Apparently the judge's whole job is just to stand there, and the prosecutor actually, like, makes the verdict and then assigns right. the sentence. And the the verdict is um, made by flipping a coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one side, there's two heads on this coin, and one of them has a gash through the eyes of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily for the plush, it doesn't land on that. Um, but the other side is actually hanging, and the, the plush is hanged. The, the gag is, the gag is, um, she flips the coin and it comes up with the ungashed head, and so, uh, it's like, oh, he's safe, and then she, like, grabs him and she's like, coin? What coin? Right. I don't see a coin. The prosecution doesn't see a coin. Oh, did you forget? She's blind! And then she, like, puts a noose around him and chucks him out the window. Right. Along with, and then you, it zooms out and you see the, like, dozens of hanged plushies dangling from her house. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's charming, sort of cute. In, it's charming in a creepy way, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, one thing that happens in this sequence that I want to draw attention to is that there's a mystery link. Um, so at the bottom of each panel of Homestuck, we get a link to the next page with an action text. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, as far as I can tell, the first time that we get two links. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a sequence of question marks. And hovering over that link, I see that it actually links to a page 6,000 pages in advance. Yeah. Um, so I didn't click it. Um, I, you could I, have clicked it. Nothing could, bad would have happened. Right, I could have. But I feel, I felt, I feel like that's um, like a retcon. Like that, you can't click that if you're reading along um, mm-hmm. as, as it's updating. So I'm trying to, I guess, preserve that experience as much as possible. That's fair. It is, in fact, a retcon. I suppose that's that's the case. Like you're having sort of a fundamentally different reading experience than I think a lot of people did because there's a couple different things that have been retconned in. Um, right, like, like, there's the, a re- like the arms. <laughs> the, the arms. The arms. Which you um, haven't you haven't seen any in a while. I'm wondering. We if- haven't seen any in a, in a while. No. Um, all that happens if you click on that those question marks is you're presented with the um, what is her. We are presented with the Libra symbol in, like, Terezi's color, okay. and it just says password in, like, her typing quirk, and you have to enter a password. And if you enter the password, then you get to 
some stuff happens, and then if you don't, then it just goes, like, go back and read the story. Like, you okay. clearly didn't get here yet. That's interesting. That's kind of like a game mechanic, like an old text adventure game. Yeah, it becomes very, it's like sort of choose your own adventure um, mm-hmm. later on. But we we won't get there for a long, long time, so it's okay. That is very interesting. Mm. Um, Terezi alludes to um, Mother Grub-fearing citizens, mm-hmm. um, which is a play on, like, God-fearing citizens. Right. Um, and then later in this reading, uh, we find out pretty explicitly that uh, trolls actually are um, laid in broods by a uh, mother grub underground. Yeah. Um, and we'll get ba- we'll get into that later, because actually troll reproduction gets kind of explained in this reading, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the time being, it, just, it was interesting to see that specific allusion to a bug-based religion. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, uh, then we get her just puttering around her room a little bit to learn a little bit more about her, and one thing that she does is, um, assign her walking cane, which looks exactly like the canes that you see actual, like, visually impaired people, like, on Earth, real human beings using mm-hmm. to, you know, move around the world. And, uh, but it's just, you, she uses it to fight with. Right. So, so yeah, I was, I kind of, like, noted that, like, I hope she actually uses it like a real person would to, the, to navigate the world and that all of her uh, experience of the world isn't kind of magical blindness. Um, mm. But by your exacerbated sigh right there, I guess not. She really doesn't. Um, occasionally, like, it does, I don't know. I don't, I don't really remember how it's handled well enough to comment, but I don't believe that you ever see her, like, using it to just walk around. You pretty much, like, just see her. Right. To be fair, you mostly see her in environments where she's pretty familiar with where everything is, so, okay, like, it's that, a place where she would have lived for a long time. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we don't have, really to, we don't have to, we don't have to dwell on that. We've talked about it before. I, like, yeah, but then you cut it. Did or I? did you not cut it? I don't think I cut that part. I don't actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> I listen to the cold open, and that's it, because that's a surprise to me, but... I don't um, think that I cut the part where we talked about magical blindness. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, yeah. Just, you know, plug in frustration with magical blindness yeah. anytime we see Terezi, pretty much. <laughs> um, we do get a, a little flash forward to her on her um, world in the medium. Um, and she has this kind of, like, segmented nunchuck-like cane yeah. uh, with a harpoon head. And she's beaten up some monster prototype imps with it. And yeah. it's pretty cool. She's pretty badass. She's yeah. super good at fighting. I like Terezi. Nice. Um, um, and her, her world looks pretty cool. Like her tree house is there and it's being built up. Uh, and she's got like this puke green field with like brown rivers and a purple yeah. sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, it doesn't sound pleasant, but it's an interesting visual. Yeah. A lot of the color combos of the trolls, um, like lands mm-hmm. in the medium are like weird and gross. Yeah, well, I, I I guess that we don't spend as much time on each of those as we do on the humans, so that we can they can be more experimental, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're a lot less cohesive. Mm-hmm. One of them has to do with tea, right? Yeah. Is that Terezi's? Is that like river, rivers of tea? No. Okay. 
No, when it when it's when it's the one that has to do with tea, it will be glaringly obvious, like bashing you over the head. Nice. So, um, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see all these. Um, but before we do that, we have to meet some more trolls, mm-hmm. and we meet one now who is arsenic catnip. Um, and she's she's interesting. She's an interesting character. Uh, so she talks to Terezi uh, entirely through role-playing. Um, these two have a, a friendship where Terezi is a dragon-type thing, mm-hmm. and uh, AC is a cat. Of with, some kind, with of multiple kind. mouths. Yes, with two mouths. Um, and so to talk to each other, they have to... Um, put, like, do action text, like, with mm-hmm. asterisks around their actions. Um, and AC's, all of AC's, uh, dialogue begins with, like, a colon and two threes. So, like, a cat face with two mouths. Do you get it? It's a cat with two mouths. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, uh, thankfully, most of her text is really, like, normal. Uh-huh. Like, all lowercase. The only thing that I picked up on was that she replaces double E's with double threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she replaces words that sound like cat words. Like, pause is with, like, a P-A-W, and perfect is with P-U-R-R. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. That's fine. Yeah. It's silly. Um, and then her cat character lives in a cave. And, like, eats wild animals. Um, and then later in the reading, we get, like, a single panel of her. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, she's actually got, like, a, like a three-mouth, like, a cat face. Yeah. And she lives in a cave with, like, chalk drawings that she licks on the walls. But we don't, and, like, um... Oh, like, she doesn't lick her chalk drawings. Those are other smears. Okay. Yeah. Um... And we see, like, some discarded bones. So she seems to uh, be role-playing only in that she's a cat. Everything else about that role-play is her real life. Yeah, I mean, Terezi actually points out in that same conversation that um, she literally kills, like, wild animals with her bare hands, like, to eat. So, like, right. she's, she's like, adorable, but she also, like, literally is, like, a hunter and yeah, like, can take like, care of herself. Like a literal, like, wild child. Yeah! It, and it's cool that the, those two are friends, like the treehouse and the cave girl. Yeah! And it's interesting that there's so many of these that there can be, like, multiples of that trope. Because there's 12... What, like, interesting oddball friends? Who live in, like, in the wild. And oh. Yeah. role plays animals. Like there's there's, some, a, there's two of them that live... Well, Terezi, like, is just kind of doing it to humor her. She doesn't do this with everyone. Right, but, like, yeah. But, like, both of them, like, have a lot in common. Right. In terms of their living situation, I guess. Well, they all have weird living situations. Like, every single one has, like, a weird... Right. ...setup of some kind, pretty much. Yeah, because living on Alternia is weird, actually. Which we will, again, talk about yeah. more in a little bit. Um, but basically, Terezi uh, invites AC to the game. 
Right, and she accepts, but she says she needs to go, go get permission first. And I want, permission. I don't, I don't want to say very much on this because I know exactly what this is about. I want to hear Alex's impressions of this. Okay, so yeah, um, Terezi says, oh, you don't, like, you don't need that guy's permission. Um, and AC is like, oh, but I want it. Like, I want to run it by him. I'll just, like, bring it up casually. Um, and we don't know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to me like he's one of the custodians. Okay. Um, but I don't really know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that one unfolds. I can't yeah. say anything because I don't want to color. I'm really interested in your interpretation of that dynamic, and so... Um... Well, it, it kind of read to me like um, Terezi was critical of AC's relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. And was kind of, like, subtly trying to dissuade her from needing that person's validation. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of, like, uncomfortably real about, yeah. like, toxic relationships. Yeah, that was my, that was, like, the instinctive emotional reaction that I had to it. It's like, I have seen this play out. Like, yeah. this is sad and uncomfortable to see. And yeah. I can't comment further on it, but we'll see how it goes. Sure. Um, the other thing that I just want to note about these two is that, like, their entire interaction is, like, really sweet and friendly and, like, not performatively antagonistic at all. Mm-hmm. Which is refreshing. These yeah. Two, these two are cute together. Yeah, they really are. Which is interesting, because, like, Terezi... I guess Terezi, like, can go either way. She can be... She can be absolutely eviscerating to someone who's being antagonistic to her. Mm-hmm. And then she can be really sweet with someone who's sweet with her. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think there's there's a number of trolls who... Well, not a number. I can think of at least one other who can go both ways in that way. But I think Terezi's definitely the best example. I don't think they quite fall in like a continuum or anything like right. that. But yeah. she's sort of... She is Libra, so... You know... I'm imagining Alex's what, what face is, right now. What does that mean? <laughs> well, like, it's like the scales, like, balance. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know nothing about conventional astrology, but if you just literally, like, semantically interpret their signs. Right. So, yeah, actually, I, I forgot to mention that when we were talking about Therese's introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's, like, well, not, not only is she, like, interested in the justice system, mm-hmm. she's just, like, interested in delivering justice mm-hmm. uh, and, like, severely persecuting people that she she's as unjust uh and in like and i think it said it in like uh in like creative and cruel ways yeah which is interesting because that's how she treats uh john what do you mean creative and cruel like befriending him to kill him yeah like it kind of needed to happen, though, right? Because otherwise they wouldn't have had the offshoot timeline that allowed them to gain the knowledge that they needed to move through the game. Like, but did, Dave got did she a do ton that, of loot. Did she do that intentionally? Did she know that that was going to happen? Um, I don't think so. She, I think she did. I think she, what was the deal? She had, like, a mixed... I don't know exactly why she did it. I think what, she was starting to have, like, a mixed picture because she, like, knows some things, but um, okay. I'm not really sure. 
There's too much going on in this comic. Like you're even like your podcast hosts like don't yeah. have a damn clue. I'm sorry. Right. Also, one last thing about her is um, it seems like the way that she uh, tastes color on her computer monitor mm-hmm. is uh, she licks it. Yeah. Um, and when it's covered in her saliva, um, I guess like the the pixels, like the color of the screen, like interacts with her saliva in a way that broadcasts that information to her brain. Yeah. Like she's remotely tasting it if it's touching her saliva. Yeah. Which is interesting. Oh, no, I mean, like, she's literally licking the screen. You're just not seeing it on panel. That's not how that works. She's not remotely licking it. Sorry, I misunderstood what you meant. Oh, she, okay. just is, she just, like, licks so, the like, screen. So, to, like, refresh the screen for her, she has to lick it again. Um, pretty much, yeah. Or I think, like, she also, like, smells it. Uh... It's sort of inconsistent. Sometimes she smells it, sometimes she tastes it. Okay. Depending on... We don't really ever find out why or what the difference is. Smell and taste are also kind of the same, so... Right, I guess I'm I'm looking for a consistency that isn't there. It's okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. That okay. that particular mechanic is not very well developed. I was just curious. Yeah. Um... What do we do now? We, um, we find out that Terezi doesn't have a Lucis. Is that how it's said? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a Lucis yet. Um, but she, uh, oh no, sorry, I skipped ahead. Um, after talking to Arsenic Catnip, uh, Terezi recruits Gamzee. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already seen that she asks Gamzee to play her Gamzee. Yes, we've seen that, uh, we've seen that conversation already. Hey, Gamzee, you want to play gameses with me? Yeah. Then she, uh, then she has a conversation with Carcat, and it's really, like, <laughs> Carcat is like, guess what, like, I'm the leader now, and you can't do anything about it, and she's just like, whatever. Yeah, she's like, okay. Yeah. And then, um, makes her, like, his second in command, and she's like, alright, but she still is the one who knows what's going on, and, so, like, she's her server player and everything. Right, and she, yeah, she, like... She says, okay, you're the player, you're the leader, that means you go on first. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I want to, uh, like, control someone's house. And she's like, oh, no, you can you can only do that last. Yeah. Because you're, you're the first one to go in. Uh, so she kind of, like, not tricks him, but, like, doesn't tell him more than he needs to know. Right. So he's, he thinks he's the leader, but he's not. He doesn't even know what's going on. Um, and she says, like, don't be such a baby. And he's like, what's a baby? Right. Um, and so it turns out that um, she knows the word baby from her Lucis's dream. Uh, and a Lucis is basically the custodian of the trolls. Uh, and we'll get back into that later. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that all the trolls have, is a Lucis. Mm-hmm. Except... Wait, Terezi doesn't have one, though. Terezi will have one. And she knows it's dreamed from the future. Yes. It oh. communicates her with her somehow such that she knows what it's dreaming about. Okay. Um, she says in particular that if she had a Lucis, it would mean the world was about to end. Right. So it will exist at some point. It just doesn't yet. <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah. And then we flash forward to when Karkat's in the medium, mm-hmm. in the land of Pulse and Haze, mm-hmm. which is like a completely black landscape with no detail, and then uh, red uh, 
liquid of some sort. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, like just, two, it's two-tone, like, black and red. Yeah, it's very dramatic looking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, except for, uh, Carcat's house, which Terezi has, like, scrawled graffiti all over in primary colors. She, like, drew a picture of Carcat and wrote, like, durr. Yeah, and she's also, like, built the house out in just, like, meandering ways, like, staircases mm-hmm. that go out to the sides for no reason, and he's like, you're wasting all my grist. Uh, and, and she's like, well, that's okay, like, you, you want to fight more imps, don't you? Yeah. It's adorable how much you want to, like, just beat stuff up. <laughs> and he's like, uh, more like, adorable bloodthirsty. Yeah. It's just, like, so weak. It's he's so adorable. Yeah. Um... Oh, he has, I just like the name of the, the weapon that he's made in the, um, mm-hmm. so remember that he, he likes, um, like, uh. The Thresh Prince of Bel-Air. The Thresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so, um, the, the scythe that he made is called Home Smell You Later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, one of its edges is like, um, magenta and one is like lime green in a very mm-hmm. 90s way. Yeah. In like Will Smith's shirt way. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. Um, then there's a short conversation about um, the... There's a, another toilet gag, like, you have misplaced my toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, which Karkath calls a load gaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut away to... I just almost sent her name. Um, someone else floating Sorry, above... I just, um... And when um when Terezi calls it a toilet, he derides her as blue he derides that as blue blood blue blooded vernacular. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, Oh, what's your blood color? Uh, and he's like, Wow, I can't believe you just asked that. Like that's really rude. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I can't say anything about that at all. Well, I mean like I I've, We'll learn more about that later. Right, like there's different like blood colors and those like have different they're like different castes or something in the society. And it's maybe rude to ask what your... Well, it is rude to ask what blood color you are. Because there's animosity or something between blood colors. Well, it's more like... If anything, like... That's sort of a... That would be a very, like... Very, very modern, like, distinction for them to be making. Is the fact that, like, Karkat doesn't want to reveal his. Because most people, um, like, type in it. Oh... Yeah. Oh, and he's gray. Yeah. Ah. He's just concealing it. I had no. I didn't realize that that. It's not meant to be immediately obvious, but since you okay. seem to be picking up on it, I'm just gonna like engage in that conversation a little bit. It's. I guess it's a spoiler, but like. That's fine. The information is there. Yeah. Like if you notice, their text color is the same color as their T-shirt, and in some cases, the same color as their um, as like the girls will wear makeup that is that color as well. And also, like, the sails on their hives. Like, yeah. Like, the tent things. Okay, that's it. So there's, like, red, green, yellow, and blue blood. Mm-hmm. Is there any others? Or is that... Is it four? No, there's... A there's four? <laughs> I don't want to get into this now! We're gonna get into it later. I mean, I don't, like, I don't need to know the reason. I just, like, discussion. I'm curious. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole spectrum. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay, cool. Um... So, yeah, so then we cut to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a frog temple, like the one on Earth, uh, but it's underground. 
Is um, it underground? Well, there's stalactites. Oh, I didn't even notice those. Yeah. Um, and there's someone here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to describe this person? Oh, yeah. So, um, she is floating above these ruins, like, floating, like she can fly. Um, she's wearing a tattered, like, long skirt and a t-shirt with the Aries symbol on it in, like, dark brick red. And she has blank white eyes, so, like, no pupils or anything, and, like, the, mm-hmm. the whites of her eyes are actually white, whereas, like, a normal troll's would be, like, yellowish-orange. Right. And, um, she's, like, messing around in there. She, um, she telekinetically rips the, the frog head off the ruins and just throws it into the mud. Right. And, um, the, kind of the narrative text says that she justifies this, rec- this recklessness, uh, with the knowledge that everything happens for a reason. Um, which is kind of an interesting take on the, uh, paradoxical and cyclical nature of events in the Homestuck universe. Mm-hmm. Where if someone's, like, cognizant of that, they might kind of do the the fuck destiny thing, where they just, like, if events are predetermined, there's your dog. Um, there's my dog. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you can mute my audio from this part if you need to. She's, oh, she's yelling about the delivery guy. I bet you, I bet you this is a UPS truck. <laughs> and that's why I'm about to see it drive around the other side of my driveway. Nice. Oh no, it's somebody just came home. Anyway. Um, oh, anyway, yeah, like, um, if, if you know that events are predetermined, you might, like, rebel by, um, doing whatever you want destructively because it doesn't matter, right? Right. Um, and she looks pretty angry in general she has a very like dead expression on on her face like very very flat and like empty looking you know Mm -hmm. yeah uh i just i like i take a back from like when you say oh she looks angry because she's about to have a conversation with solix and uh who we haven't met yet oh we're about to meet him um it's it's twin armageddon we've seen him already Uh, i'm gonna cut that what okay his name (laughs) She's about to have a conversation with someone and um, expressly say that she doesn't remember being angry, so. Right. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she, uh, she's, she's up to something. She's up to something. She doesn't even seem to really know what she's up to yet, but she seems to be confident that the thing that to, like, up to which she is right now, <laughs> if I'm doing sure. that correctly, like, will certainly be something mm-hmm. at some point. Then there's a teaser. We're going to get a bunch of these. Like, there's a character teaser. Yeah. So yeah. we see we see some pants and a hand. Yeah. Um, and they pick up, or they stoop down to pick up a Faco bottle, which is mm-hmm. the drink that um, Gamzee drinks. And flung into the ocean recently. Right. And he says, this is like filthy trash from land dwellers. So this is a sea dweller that Gamzee was afraid of. Right. And they, um... I'm glad you inferred that on your own. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Um, and they have, like, a very kind of pinstriped, um, look to them. And, like, a bunch of rings on their hand, mm-hmm. on their fingers. And I think, like, the the big ring is the Pisces symbol. Yep. Like, the two... It's Aquarius. Okay, okay. Yeah. One of the water ones. 
Yeah. Um, with, like, two zigzag lines on it. So that's who that person is. Yeah. Oh. What? Oh. Because, uh, like, Gamzee is, like, the, another water sign. And he, yes. like, lives on the water. He's, right. like, a, a, an amphibious sign. Mm-hmm. And, okay. All right. Right. And we'll see his, uh, his Lucis later on, which, uh. Right. Yeah. Sort of has cool. to do with that, too. Um. So then there's sort of a case in point in, um, like, what Homestuck's, like, handling of narrative time flow has become. Uh, one of the, there's a sort of, like, a transitional shot and, like, the text of the page is, we return to the land of Pulse and Haze, so that's Karkat's planet. Mm-hmm. So that we can rewind a bit. Before all that paint got slopped on your hive, this is in second person addressing Cardcat, uh, before all that paint got slopped on your hive, and before that mysterious hole was made. Man, how'd that hole get made? It was when Carcat ran TA's cursed Tilda Ath program and his computer blew up. That's what happened. We'll see this happen later. It will be startling and unexpected. Right. <laughs> so... But before that happens, before we find all that out, we are in the quote-unquote current, like, narratively present time. Right. We're back actually where this reading started, which was um, Karkat going downstairs mm-hmm. uh, to confront his custodian, uh, who is a giant crab monster. Yeah. Um, the fandom and... calls him Crab Dad. Nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is a custodian, or Lucis, Lucis Naturae. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically get a rundown here of how the whole troll system works. <laughs> the troll system. Tell us about the troll system. Okay, so adult trolls um, have genetic material that they supply and ship off to the uh, mother grub. And the mother grub kind of just sloshes all of that together, like an entire generation's worth. Um, and <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think it's, like, it's described as, like, you know, like, a huge incestuous pile. Incestuous because, slurry. Yeah, ugh. <laughs> right? Um, and then she, like, lays an entire brood, uh, and everyone in that brood has, like, they can't trace their lineage, because everyone, everyone's parents are all mixed up in there. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to know who your, um who your uh, biological parents are. Right. Uh, and I don't even know if the biological parents are two people, a male and a female, or not. Nope. Uh, I, I, can, so. I can expressly disconfirm that. It's literally <laughs> just... It's it's never made clear how many actual, like, you know, pairs of, you know... Like, genetic... How do you even know they use... They have chromosomes or whatever. But, like, right. yeah, there's no notion of, like, any, you know, some subset of two people's genes come together or whatever. Like, sure. I think it's, it's just, it's literally just like, you can think of it as like free DNA. Right. And I'll, I guess all we can confirm about that is that they have the same DNA as we do. Like the same basis, the CGAT structure. No, that's just coincidental. The, the fact that their handles correspond to base pairs has everything to do with the fact that they will later interact with a universe where there are humans who have um, those base pairs and nothing to do with troll genetics. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is not what I would have thought. And in fact, was not what I thought. Okay. Maybe um, I should have let you maintain that theory, but... Maybe. Well. Oh, well. Cat's out of the bag now. 
So basically, um, once these troll eggs hatch, they pupate on a stalactite underground. Ew, they, it sounds so much grosser when you say it out loud. Well, they attach to a, a stalactite, and then they pupate, uh, and emerge... With, with limbs. With new limbs. Um, and they face some trials that we haven't been told about yet. Mm-hmm. And if they survive those, they are chosen by a monster. Um, and that is the Lucis. And in this reading, we see that the Lucy, the Luci, are um, bit. Those are um, basically zodiac themed. Pretty much, yeah. So, the whether the troll has a zodiac theme before reading the Lucis, or the Lucis uh, bestows the zodiac theme on them, I don't know yet. But they get like a a monster, a custodian. Mm-hmm. Of their zodiac sign, right? Um, um, which, and, like, they—I think it's really funny that they're kind of like Pokemon, where like yeah. they're all one, um, one species that comes in. Like, you're gonna see the deg- the, the like degree of variation that there is is sure. preposterous. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, as we learned before, um, when they get to the surface, they design and construct their own hive as mm-hmm. like a child. Um, and there are construction drones on the surface that help with this, but otherwise leave the children to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they are adults, they go, most of, like, the vast majority of them go off into space to fight space wars. Um, so this entire uh, home planet of the trolls basically is uh, kids. And the monsters that they coexist with. Yep. So, and they don't even, like, the monsters don't really care for them so much as they, like, uh, present them with a challenge to, to, like, wrangle the monsters. Pretty much, yeah. A lot of the the Lucy, like, present um, different kinds of challenges to the kids. Like, they, (laughs) I think in the comic it says they function as sort of zookeepers. But they do have a purpose because, like, they can... um, like, when they're, when they're as small, especially, because, like, they have to, like, learn how to defend themselves and everything, they, um, mm-hmm. they, like, they're, they basically just physically protect them right. from dangers. Yeah, and it's an interesting parallel to, like, the striping with the parents for the, the human kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's kind of, that was kind of, like, a, a motif that didn't really make sense for human society, that you would, like, literally have to fight your parent. Um, but for trolls, it's, like, a literal biological thing that you have to, like... Physically subdue. Combat your your guardian, yeah. Yeah. Which, like, in a lot of cases proves to be, like, it's it's a lot more like my dog is being really uppity right now. So, Mm -hmm. like, Carcat gives his, essentially his dad, like, some some chilled row cubes. Row being, like, caviar, but the cheap version, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fish eggs. So he's just, like... Shut up, like, here's some fish eggs, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Dad. But they, yeah. like, they they do love them. Like, we see later on, um, like, a picture that, like, like, a crudely drawn picture that Carcat must have done of Crab Dad. Right. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. the whole, I mean, like, you, you prepared me for Troll Society being, like, very different. Um, but, like, there, uh, there was no way that I could 
predict the ways in which it is. And it's all, like, really fascinating. Nice! It's really cool, like... It's cool world... It's cool... Yeah. It's cool world building on Hussey's part. I gotta congratulate him. Yeah, I agree. That one... Troll. I guess I'm just so used to hearing about it that it seems sort of fascinating to me now. But like the way that their their society is organized is definitely pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Um, and we also, I guess, like something that I was confused about was how, um, trolls have had a uh, film for thousands of years, mm-hmm. but didn't seem to be like spacefaring. But they are. It's just that like they leave the kids behind on this planet. Yeah. Which doesn't, frankly, seem like a bad idea at all. Like, that seems like a good solution to the problem of, like, can babies, like, develop healthy in space? Like, don't Uh, worry about it. I wouldn't say it's a good solution, but... Well, it's not perfect. It'd be nice (laughs) if they cared for them at all, but, like, seriously, like... They also, like... like, Breeding all your young on the homeworld, like, and then also you only have one homeworld to protect. Right. They also, like, leave the... The, the young, like, to die in trials the moment they're born. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're, I mean, they are, like, clearly, um, breeding super soldiers. Like, yeah. Like, but, I don't agree with any of that whole, like, oh, like, make them survive trials and stuff. I literally just yeah. mean, like, the whole, keep like, all of the children on your homeworld. Okay. And then just, like, protect your home world. But, yeah, like, it, it's just breeding them to be super soldiers. Um, and, like, be incredibly ruthless and violent. And, like... Right. Um, know, I guess my... Disregard for life is kind of built in from the beginning. <laughs> sure. My only, I guess my only question... Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions. But, like, something <laughs> that uh, I wonder is, um, who's making all the movies and TV? Is it, like, kids? Or is it, like, from off-world? I think the assumption is that they're from Offworld. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, because, like, there's, like, adult troll celebrities. Yeah. So not every single troll is, like, a soldier. Right. They just don't live at home. Yeah. Okay. You know. Like, there's there's co- there's people out doing conquering and whatever, but then, like, they also, like, occupy places, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um... And so then, after, oh yeah, so we get, um, we get what was supposed to be a flash mm-hmm. of, uh, Karkat battling Crabdad, um, but the narration is like, look, I didn't really have time to animate this, so here's the song that was supposed to go with it. Yeah, except it's a really good song, so, like, I'm okay with it. Yeah, it is. It was just, like, a kind of, like, funny, cute, metatextual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we meet Twin Armageddon's. Oh boy. Yes, we do. He is the kid who talks in mustard, and he is the, um, he's the tech guy. He's got the one red eye, one blue eye. Um. Yeah, so not only are his, um, glasses red and blue, his eyes are literally, like, like, solid red and solid blue. Yep. And, um, oh boy, his name's Solix Captor. Mm-hmm. Which I've heard the name Solix before, and I guess, like, from Homestuck. But it doesn't um, sound hang on like. A second. I think he's a mythological figure. Hang on, I'm going to be typing. But I mean, like in the context of people talking about Homestuck, I guess I just didn't wasn't listening. Oh okay. Oh okay. So, Castor and Pollux. Oh, okay. Get it, Solix sure. Captor. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. Wait, who are, who are they again? Hang on. 
Oh, so they were like the Gemini. Oh. They like the the twins who like became like the constellation like Gemini. I, okay, I see. Yeah. Because nice. one of them died, and the other one wanted to like live with him. Like they wanted to be immortal forever, and so they became a constellation. I don't know that one. I don't know that myth. That's oh, yeah. It was one of the ones that I skipped, I guess. It's a minor um, myth. Yeah, um, but that's cool. Um, anyway, so this is Solix. He does computer hacking. He does. Tell, you tell me. You tell us your impression of his intro. Uh, well, so his like his his immediate page where we're supposed to learn his name um, mm-hmm. is incredibly rambling. Mm-hmm. Um, like the narration is full of question marks and short t- sentences and stuff like this and you know that and um, and it comes off as very like insecure. Mm-hmm. Which is intentional, right? But like, it's later played off. So it, it's it's he sort of vacillates between like grandeur and um, like self deprecation a lot. He's not really sure whether he's like the shit or if everybody hates him, right? Um, he knows that he's like pretty good at things and that's the main stuff. And then we we kind of zoom out some more. And, uh, and check out... Oh, we, we, we find out that he spends time moping and nursing migraines. And um, then we zoom out somewhere to see his room. Let's talk about him, and then we'll talk about the... Uh, well, okay. So in the middle, in between seeing him and actually getting his name, is mm-hmm. um, a little... Te- it's supposed to be a teaser of um, Arsenic Catnip. Yep. Who is the like the Leo troll. Like Her sign is Leo. But like it's... Okay. Alex already inferred that like... That's she's a cat. that's who that is. It's just an unexplained panel, but like she's the cat one. Yeah, she lives in a cave, has cat themed things. Anyway, so so more about Solix is um is uh, that he keeps bees in his home. Yeah, so the bees are um, computer bees. Um, yeah. his his computer is a beehive, which is yeah. really interesting. Um, I'll just, like, quickly, um, it's, the bee, the, the beehive is made out of silicone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the bees communicate in binary. Yeah, like, bees will pair up and dance, and that's how they signal, and it's really cute. Yeah, it is. Um. Um, but there's some more stuff about this, uh, introduction that I think you want to talk about. Yeah, I have a big ol' I wanna... <laughs> Alex's entire commentary is dot dot dot, and then, like, colon slash emoticon, and I have a lot to say. Ready? Yeah. Um, so, well, let's talk about Solix's, like, deal first, and then I'll talk about, like, the thing that I take issue with. His deal is he, um, he keeps these, these bees, and they run his computer, and they also generate something called mind honey, which he's not supposed to eat. Uh, it's used to, to placate his lucis. Right. Um, the other thing is that they kind of harp on the way in which he's, like, volatile and um, his self-worth kind of vacillates, like, moment to moment and uh, 
Mm-hmm. He's not really sure how he feels about himself. So here's the thing is like, it's explicitly said like he suffers from debilitating bipolar mood swings, which that's not, that's not how it works. That's not, no, like all you have to do is Google it to know that that's not how bipolar disorder works. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like plain inaccurate and ignorant. Yeah. Like try, do any of your research. It's nice that it has a, an appropriate prefix to your little, like, bifurcation motif that you're doing with this guy, but, like, don't. Yeah. Yeah, like, bipolar disorder, like, first of all, it's actually can be debilitating for people, and also, like, the other thing is that, okay, so he's got, he's got, like, a a cheesy, like, bifurcation motif, but then also, like, he's presented as, like, kind of insufferably, like, conflicted about himself all the time, and Mm. he's also, like, psychic, and, like, hears the voices of, like, the dying... Um, I think the exact text used is, um, your mutant mind is hounded by the psychic screams of the imminently deceased, which is just, it's the worst. It's, your visions foretell of the planet's looming annihilation, and yet unlike the typical sightless prophet of doom, you are gifted with vision twofold. And, like, can we... Like, that's, like, yeah, that's, like, cool and all, but you can't, like, pair that up with a real-world mental disorder that has nothing to do with that. Exactly. Exactly. I find it really frustrating that they, that he felt the need to, like, perpetuate that trope of, like, oh, like, I'm, I have visions and it makes me crazy. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, you know, I have this real world mental illness and that makes me crazy and I get visions and, like, thanks for piling onto the stigma. Yeah. Um, that said... I do think that the actual way in which um, Solix's characterization is handled, like, if you forget that they're trying to call it, like, this completely inaccurate, like, DSM label, um, if you remember that he's a 13-year-old kid with a big vocabulary, mm-hmm. I actually buy it. Nice. I don't know. What, what was your read on that? Um... What do you mean exactly? Like, he's very, um, he can go from very grandiose to, like, very matter-of-fact sometimes. Um, like, he can be grandiose about, like, how, like, he is, like, constantly suffering and, um, you know, everyone hates him and then the next minute just, like, be totally, like, down-to-earth and, like, have a serious conversation and, um you know, is very sensitive to people calling him out about how much his temperament, like, vacillates. And I feel like that reminded me really hard of, like, conversations about, like, my own mental health that I've had, that I had at that age, you know what I mean? Yeah, he is a very, like, it's a very natural character. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really believable and sympathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't really come across as, like, a big old stereotype of anything. Because it's not actually a stereotype of anything, it's just named after something. Right. Which is um, sort of a good thing. It's it's good that that got dropped, but I did ha- kind of take issue with the way that that was introduced. For sure. Um, but I, I do think that he's a good character. Hmm. I like him. Yeah. I like him, too. He's... I, I like him. Um, so, okay, to go through, since we've sort of picked up on the fact that... Um, some major themes are the Zodiac and having characters revealed to us 
like, not all at once. Uh, so, so far we have, the signs that we've seen are Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Libra, Capricorn, and Aquarius. Okay. Um, and the ones that we still need to see are Virgo, Scorpio, Sagittarius, and Pisces. If you're following a lie at home. Not all of those characters have been named yet, but we've, like, at least seen them or seen their chat handle. Um, right. So, we have four names so far. Mm-hmm. It's Solix, Karkat, Teresi, and Gamzee. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to meet more next week. Hmm. Um, so then meanwhile, we learned some more about Solix, including that he is uh, psionic, which I learned is, like, made up. Yeah, it's a, like a the sci-fi version of psychic. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's an established, like, sci-fi word, mm-hmm. which just means magic. Yeah, pretty much. Like, psychic uh, magic, whatever. Yeah, like, oh, like... Uh, highly advanced humans, like, have incredibly, like, powerful minds that, like, blah, 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 blah. No, it's, it's psychic powers, it's magic. Yeah. Um, but basically that, that means, like, he doesn't need a strife specimus, because he just uses his mind mm-hmm. to fight. Um, yeah. He also, um, he goes to sit down at his computer, and we get a look at, uh, so if you remember how Carcat had Game Grub magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they're literally grubs. The so, games are grubs. Like the the product that a game is, like a CD, is a like a, a big colorful grub. It's like a maggot like, the size of your forearm that you plug into your computer. Ah! <laughs> they're really like it's really going whole hog with the like biological technology thing. Man, like I in a, in a very like insectoid and gross way. Yeah. I, okay, so I try really hard to be, like, pro-bug, and I, like, don't think you should oh. kill bugs, oh, like, no. whatever, but, like, they actually do kind of squick me out, like, especially, like, lots of bugs. Yeah. I, I like bees, and, like, I, you know, like, bugs that people, like, conventionally would like, I'm, like, fine with, but, like, I get kind of squicked out by beetles, and I really don't do maggots, or, like, grubs. I really super... Mm. That's that's totally understandable. <laughs> they're like, lying. I, they're like the size of your shoe. They're like lying on his floor. Ah. I mean, I guess like I I didn't really think of them in a concrete way. I thought of just them as like an abstracted, like little cartoon. Um, but I definitely understand that reaction. <laughs> and you plug them into your computer. Well, and it was just like if you accidentally step on one, you can grow it back. Or just pirate it. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he uh, he logs onto his computer and starts talking to Terezi about um, how she should take leadership of the red team. Right. Um, there's another Arsler, which really sucks. Yeah. Like it's getting old. Yeah. Um, yeah, but basically, um, he he tells her that the universe is going to make him go blind before he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, prophets or whatever are supposed to be blind. Yeah. Um, and he's gonna end up blind before the universe ends or something. Right. Um, and also, he mentions angels, and she's like, what's an angel? Uh, and he's like, they're terrifying demons with feathered wings. And she's like, holy shit. Which is really funny. Like, like the, the feathered wings scared her the most. Mm-hmm. 
because like I guess feathers are a very uh, alien concept to trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, he says that paradox space uses angels to usher in the like the end of things. Yeah, which is like very ominous. Um, mostly, what I noticed was that this like this combination, this pair of trolls mm-hmm. between their typing quirks, was some of the hardest to read. Like I yeah. can do oh, either yeah, one. There's a lot of numbers floating around. I can do like either one on their own, fine. Um, but together, these two are like nigh illegible. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that like the colors really clash. Yeah, badly. <laughs> like there's just no contrast between them. Right. Um, it's bad. Um, to actually break down. Well, okay, so one one thing that I really liked is um, Terezi calls Solux's typing color ugly mustard or like disgusting yeah. icky mustard or something mm-hmm. and she call he calls her her typing color which is like teal um summer shithead mist <laughs> that was very clever um apparently um solix terezi kind of calls him out for having this like sort of complex about people being after him or or people not agreeing with him and uh and she, he just like demands that she change the subject like he's not into like talking about that he's tired of yeah. being being called out about it um we also find out that apocalypse arisen and terezi had been close friends but that uh now talking to her makes terezi sad and apocalypse arisen is treated as an authority on the same kinds of predictions about the game, like making him go blind and die. Right. Um, so I was, yeah, I was introduced to her last time when, uh, when Solix said that she found the game in some ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I know about her so far. But yeah, it, just, it seems like she's had a change mm-hmm. recently. Something's happened to her. Yeah. Um, and then we, we actually cut back to her, and she is now kicking the frog's body off of the pedestal. Right, so it actually wasn't, um, it wasn't, uh, explicitly said that this floating psychic girl is AA, but I, like, I figured that out, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. And also Ares, AA, I guess. Uh, although, yeah. although I didn't get that at all, because, it, like, the Ares symbol is, like, a curly V, mm-hmm. and I thought that was, like, a ram's head. Okay. So... Is there, like, a ram? Well, that would be Capricorn, wouldn't it? So I don't know this stuff, guys. Um, well... Hang on a second. Wait, let's look this up. Okay. Aries. It definitely is meant to be associated with the ram. Well, then why is Capricorn? Let's find out. I think Capricorn is a... No, it's... It's also Capricorn, a... Capricorn's a goat, but, like, those are so such similar... Things. Yeah. Um, uh, wait, okay. Capricorn animal. Capricorn animal. It's a goat. Yeah. Yeah, I, know, I knew that. <laughs> I just really like that I Googled it, and it, Google comes up with, you know, how they do the helpful, like, scraped boxes now? Yeah. And it just goes, goat! Nice. Um, Man, Google has gotten a lot smarter for me recently. Like, it started, um, like, if I Google a bunch of things, like, in succession, Mm -hmm. it will take the context of the first thing I Googled into what it suggests for the next thing. Whoa! 
which is really helpful. And like, I feel like it's all, I mean, it's always been doing that. It just like is being more upfront and helpful about it. Mm-hmm. So, and like those little boxes that come up at the top. With, those like, are super nice. This pertinent information. I love those. Yeah. I, I for one welcome our metadata overlords. <laughs> what is that from? Uh, it's from the Simpsons. Okay. From like a Treehouse of Horror, like the, the non-canon like horror stories. Okay. Um, one of them, I think, like, bugs take over the world, or okay. maybe it's like the, the green aliens that are. I in for all one of... welcome our insect overlords. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. And it's like it's Brock, um, Kent Brockman on the news, mm. like announcing that on air, like I for one welcome our new insect overlords. Nice. And it's like it's a good quote. I feel like that's up there. Like that occupies a very similar place in my consciousness of like I will face God and walk backwards into hell. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, they just both like kind of appeared there and I only later found out like where I heard them. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Oh my god. So anyway, uh, so Solix and Apocalypse Arisen are gonna have a conversation. Yeah, so her typing quirk is only replacing O's with zeros, mm-hmm. which is so nice. It's so readable. Yeah. Which is good, because Solix's really still isn't, even though they do have good contrast here. Um, mm-hmm. They have an argument, because Solix is talking about how crappy he feels talking to her. Like, he doesn't feel good talking to her, and she's just like, I mean, I'd appreciate it. Like, I, I want you to feel happy. It's not like... It's not like I don't want that for you or anything, and uh, but mm-hmm. she's just so like affectively blank. Yeah, it seems like she's lost the ability to emote. Yeah, she's kind of she kind of reads like the ham-fisted, almost like caricatures of depression that you see in media lately. Sure. What do you like? What do you mean exactly? Like, like, like how it's like? Oh, like I have. I have no feelings and nothing matters. Oh, right. Like, like, not necessarily in, like, a goth way. Like, like writing, like, writers have clued into the fact that depression doesn't just mean you're sad all the time. And yeah. so, and so they heard, like, oh, it means you don't have any emotions. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really mean that. Yeah. But they think it means that. So they just, like, emotionless characters as depression, which is, like, a step in the right direction, but still not quite on the ball. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but I don't think it doesn't sound like she's depressed. It sounds like she's like possessed, basically. Right, exactly. Like it, it the the characterization uses the same sort of like strokes, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not trying to say that. It's definitely trying to make her sound yeah like possessed, like something weird and paranormal is happening. Which is yeah, which is kind of obvious from the fact that she's floating around and has glowing eyes and is slashing buildings with her mind. Yeah. Um, which is, which is actually, like, maybe a bit cliche in, like, um, cartoons, but it's still, like, effective imagery. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, she, they have a conversation about how angry Carcat is. Mm-hmm. And, um... And she says that his anger is instrumental. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to sabotage his projects, um, which will cause the kids failure, but that their failure is necessary for the largest, like, for the grand scheme of things. Right. Exactly. And she also, oh, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. 
She also um, admits that she's lied to Solix, mm-hmm. um, that, and that the game won't save the world. Right. Um, and but that they need to, they need to fail in that project to succeed in a larger one. Right. Or to like, to go on to a larger project. Um, and she's also getting this information from some voices that are not the same as Solix's voices. Correct. Uh, they and it kind they of are sound- plural. That's really all we know about them. And they tend to be right. Yes. Um, and it kind of sounds like the the old gods that uh, Rose was talking about. Mm-hmm. Remember Rose, the human girl? <laughs> I had forgotten about her, but... Yeah, yeah, that's right. She's uh, she's blonde. She writes wizard fic. Yeah, she's got um, really good black uh, lipstick and eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, good with a pair of knitting needles. Mm-hmm. Um, My but yeah, so Rose. <laughs> so AA um, AA says AA says a bunch of stuff. Um, she sure does say some stuff. <laughs> Um, she says, it's much closer to serving as the instrument of our people's demise than that of their salvation of the game. And she also says, we 12 will behave simultaneously as the pawns and the orchestrators of the great undoing. Mm-hmm. So no big deal or anything. Solok's hearing this flips out and is like, we're not playing this game. What do you mean we're going to like destroy the world? Like, I want no part of this. Um... Even as AA is like, it's inevitable, like, I don't know what you're trying to stop, like, it's gonna happen. Right, but yeah, he refuses to accept that, and he, like, goes to the others, like, he he trolls uh, Theresian Karkat to tell them, like, yo, game's off, like, we're, this isn't a good idea, we're gonna destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, tell, he tells Terezi, and she's like, uh, well, I already gave Karkat the leadership, mm-hmm. so go tell him. Uh, and then Karkat doesn't believe him. He thinks that he's already, like, trying to play mind games, and, like, because they're they're the leaders of opposite teams. Um, although AA told uh, Selix that he's not the leader after all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Karkat refuses to believe Solix, um, and he says, well, I've already set up the connection with Terezi. Mm-hmm. And Solix is just like, shit. Because he, he thinks that, like, starting the game will instigate the end of the world. Uh, although we know that it was already going to happen. Because mm-hmm. the meteors are coming either way. Um, but Karkat and Solix, like, they they argue and they have, like, a fight, but it's m- much more, like, actually hurtful than mm-hmm. anything we've seen so far. Like, they really hurt each other. Um, and Karkat says, like, oh, how do I know you're even a good programmer? Like, you might, you must just be lying, like, you're so insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, this, like, stupid code that you sent me, the red and blue code, uh, I'm gonna, it's probably not even real, I'm just gonna run it and, like, show you, prove you wrong. Uh, and Solix is like, please do not run that code. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Carcat runs it. Solix, like, immediately gets serious and is like, do not run that. Like, all drama yeah. aside, like, just don't do it. And of course, Karkat runs Karkat it. Does. Yeah. Um, what he does is he sets it to, because you have to compile code and then run it once it's compiled into binary. So 
he compiles it and sets it to run once it's done compiling. And then before it's done compiling, he gets up and goes AFK. And um, Solix is talking to this empty chat. And then the message logged at the bottom of the screen is just like, carcinogeneticist computer has exploded. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> and then Solix just says, oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that they say, like, a bunch of times, they say, like, God. Like, yeah. in, in an expletive way. Mm-hmm. Um, when they say, like, mother grub fearing. I mean, it's like, it's not an important consistency. It's just interesting. Yeah, they like, don't really have, I, this isn't really a spoiler, they don't really have religion. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. like, it's just like, you can't have um, kids speaking, like, contemporary English without uh, religious expletives, I guess. Yeah, which is it's sort like, of bizarre like, in its own right. Yeah, like um, that Neil Cicerica tweet where uh, how Jesus got his name is Joseph saw he had a baby and was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, you can't, like, the the emotion that is imparted by saying, like, oh my God, or, like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> we have no way to translate that, really, yeah. into alien terms. Because those are so, like, so... like, basal in our, in our, like, linguistic minds. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, um, I think, like, the center of your brain that processes swearing is, like, deeper and, like, different from the rest of linguistic processing. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. I thought so. So. Glad I have a, I glad I have a neuroscientist to check that with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. I've read those articles, yeah, it has to do with, like, um, the way that you, like, regulate pain and everything. It's, like, part of that whole circuit. Huh. So, anyway. Um, Carcat is highly startled by the totally unexpected explosion, is the the narration text. Um, yes. and we go from, like, silly to, like, like, okay, that was funny, like, his computer blew up, like, but his Lucis is dead. Yeah, so what we get here is, like, an abrupt shift mm-hmm. in like not only tone but like structure yeah um basically we get a bunch of narrative um that tells us about future events mm-hmm. in a very serious way in like prose yeah it's like the narrator the narrator is like talking sort of to us rather than to the characters right um, so basically what's happened here is the virus that Karkat ran has cursed not only him, but his friend group. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, this kind of black and white uh, spirograph above his head, I guess indicating his, like, cursed status. No, that's the uh, colonel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh, right. Okay, I see. Yeah. Um, but yes, he is cursed. Yeah. Um, and, the, the like, the curse is, I mean, it's already come to pass for him, but um, all of his friends, Lucy, are going to die. Right. Um, and, all, and all but one of them will be prototyped mm-hmm. into the colonels, like the dead ones. Right. Uh, which gives the black and white kingdoms in the medium a lot of power, because they're minions are getting prototyped with all these monsters. Yeah. Uh, On the other yeah. hand, it means that they will get to actually speak to their Lucy for the first time, which is sort of nice. 
Right. Which not even not only nice, but like really kind of moving. Mm-hmm. Like, and we see like basically in the, in these next few shots, there's like no humor. It's like really sad. Mm-hmm. Like Parkat is like really sad that his Lucis has died. Yeah. Um, and then this is see... this is the panel where they juxtapose. You see. Uh, you don't, at first, you don't immediately know that his Lucis is dead. Like, you just see him, like, crushed under rubble with his eyes closed. And Carcat is looking at him with, like, horror. And then behind Carcat is the fridge with the drawing, like, hung right. up with a magnet. And then you find out, like, from the narration that he is, in fact, dead. And then in the next page... Yeah, the next page is uh, Gamzee with his Lucis, which has drifted up onto the shore. Um... And which is a like a big Capricorn beast. Yeah, it's, like a, a, big, it's a goatfish. You know, but it I mean, it basically looks like a dragon head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like the expression on both their faces mm-hmm. are like so poignant and sad. And this like this goatfish that is like really beautiful and like dragon like and sleek. Mm-hmm. And we just see now dead. Yeah. And it's really sad. Yeah. Like that, like that. This shot of Gamzee and his Lucis is like really. Like I'm very emotional about it. I get really emotional about it too, and it is. It's just the expressions and the framing. Like it's it's two silent panels. There's like a wide shot of his. He's got this like very lonely dwelling, like on this like very bleak shoreline. It's like it's nighttime. There's this really long like beam of light coming out of the door of like. This house that you... Like, we've just learned how lonely these kids' lives are. Like, this Lucis is the only, like, other living being most of them interact with. And, like... Yeah. Um, and Gimsy just, like, kind of has his hand on the Lucis's snout. Yeah. And it's, like... It's, so, it's really poignant. Yeah, he was waiting for him to come home. Yeah. And he came um, home with a harpoon in his side. Like, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, on, on this page, there's some texts which, I'll just quote, um, the game has no explicit rule that demands something dead for prototyping, but in practice, the Colonel Sprite has particular attraction to the deceased or the doomed. Across every session ever played, exceptions to this pattern are extremely rare. Um, and I think the only exception we've seen is Dave Sprite. Right. Who is kind of dead, I guess, in that he, his timeline doesn't exist anymore. He's doomed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there's no, there's no reason that the Colonel Sprites have to be dead, or that the loose, the loose eye had to die, except that it's just, like, statistically probable. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So... Solix decides to delete the rest of his viruses before they can do any more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his kind of, like, virus file, he has a copy of a Tildath file that uh, he, he didn't write. He just has a copy of it, and it will execute when the universe ends. Um, and he got this file from a very remote server. Um, I'm assuming the same one that Rose uploaded her game fact to. No. But the same kind of thing, because we see uh, in the next panel a green phone like the purple phone that Rose's file is on. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the server, That's the server itself, yeah. Okay. Um, 
and then we got like the 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 writing for this well page? so so the code itself i want to point out like we need to talk about sure. what's actually in the code file because that's important okay so yeah. so it all till death you, you have to get a little bit programming basically like all till death programs are a loop with a termination condition and um and the loop will turn like with a an executable that'll happen on the termination of the loop. And so the loop will terminate when the universe itself ends. And what we see in the code for, because this is also foreshadowing for people who've read before, um, in, in the parentheses where you're supposed to put the code that it'll execute when the universe ends is um, a flashing GIF of billiard balls. Right. Like being superimposed over top of each other. And, um, that's calling on a subprogram, which um, Solix doesn't have access to. He has no idea what it does. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then on the next page where we actually see the server itself, which has the same flashing billiard ball, we find out what Solix doesn't know, which is what that subprogram actually does, which I think is what Alex was about to tell us. Yeah, so I just, I, I think I, like, I have to read this whole thing, like, it's all pertinent. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it says, uh, when executed, the subprogram will summon an indestructible demon into the recently voided universe. This monstrous being, with the power to travel through time, is inconvenienced very little by his arrival upon the Great Undoing. He has the entire cadaver of the expired universe to pick apart at his whim, from its birth through its swelling maturity and tapering decay. In a reality he is known to have marked for predation, he will go about assembling followers through various epochs, even going as far as personally establishing the parameters for his future summoning. Solix couldn't know that the virus is essentially a formality. The demon is already here. What was your so, reaction to this? Uh, holy shit. <laughs> so there's a an apocalypse demon, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's basically already here. Like, yeah. it has always existed and always will. And Right. Uh, <laughs> Love that doom narrative. Yeah, so my question is, is that in this universe or in the paradox space? That is in the Trolls' universe. Okay. Yeah. And, um... Jeez. Yeah, right? Whoops. So not so it's not only their planet mm-hmm. that's in danger. It's their entire universe. Yep. Yeah, not just their planet, not just their species, their species or anything. Like literally their entire universe is um right. marked by this because, like demon. Yeah, because before this was shown, I was kind of wondering like, well, if all of like the trolls are off-world, they could like like, theoretically, this, like, the, whatever, the culling or whatever it's called, uh-huh. um, isn't, like, the end of their species. Um, I mean, it must, it would be hard to, like, I don't know if they have another broodmother off-world. Right. But, they don't. Okay. But, like, it would be the end in the same way that humans are ended when Earth is called. Right. Um, although, I guess, they would just, like, eventually die off if they didn't have any more offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not even the problem. The problem is that the universe is ending or that it's going to end at some time, at some point. Right. 
And there's going to be some sort of um, indestructible demon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where our stakes are at. I told you this comic got big mm-hmm. <laughs> and like weird and dire. Yeah, but it seems like like it seems like this demon has nothing to do with uh, with suburb or its equivalent. It seems that way, doesn't it? Okay, it does. It does seem that way. Keep 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 reading the story. Yeah, I can't tell you anything. It, oh no, no, yeah. I mean, I just mean like that's where I'm supposed to be led. Mm-hmm. Is that it doesn't? Yeah, you have no idea right now how it's. Is that, it's not even. Yeah, it's not even like relevant. Like to the. I mean, it, the other way around. I mean, like that. Um, suburb isn't even relevant to the to these stakes. Right. And, um, Act 5 is pretty much, I mean, I know we're in Act 5 now, but we're only just beginning to scratch the surface of Act 5. Act 5 is basically the pro- well, Act 5, Act 1, there's, like, two parts to it. So Act 5, Act 1 is pretty much, like, just setting up the trolls, and then Act 5, Act 2 is actually figuring out how is it all related to the game that they're actually playing. Cool. So, yeah. It's fun. (laughs) And that's the end of the reading for this week. It's been 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like we had, there was like almost nothing we could cut. Like that was all. There will be some, you could cut, um, you'll be able to go in and cut dead air. There's a lot of dead air. Um, so if you're like diligent about cutting that, you can get rid of a lot of it. And then also um, there's a lot of time that we spend talking about like Therese's like LARPing with herself that we could probably cut and like just little bits of things that aren't totally germane. Yeah. Like, just line by line, you know. Yeah. You could probably hack out 15 minutes of that material. Do we Do we want to do listener questions? I don't think we have that many, right? Uh, we actually have four. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we're going to have to, like, blow through these then. Yeah. Um, we might actually keep a... They're actually not that um, in-depth, I think. Okay. Um, the first actually comes from Quiet Serval, who says, I only, re- I only just realized that the Hamsake podcast is on iTunes. And this will make listening to the podcast so much easier. Oh, nice. Yeah, heads up, you guys. We're in the iTunes store. Yeah. Um, we I can guess make we... a post about that that, like, links directly to it next time. I guess, yeah, I forgot that we hadn't, like, made that explicit. I did also want to mention, I forgot to say this, if you want to ask us a question, you can send us an ask on Tumblr, where we are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com, or give us a mention on Twitter, where we are at Hamsteak Podcast, unless you think the thing that you want to say is a spoiler, and if there's any chance that it could be a spoiler, just send it to me. I am Brickchip on Tumblr and on Twitter. Nice. Thanks. Um, Dwellington asks, what are Alex's predictions for next week, especially a retroll names? Ooh. Um, and my answer is, I have no idea. <laughs> I, like, I'm along for the ride, and I have no... I have no expectations. Um, I know that, I know the name Vriska, and I haven't met her yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to meet her next week, uh, but I'll find out next week. Um, and I don't know any of the other names. Okay. Um, Pastor asks, extrapolate on the trolls you've only glimpsed, um, which I think we kind of did in the body of the podcast. Um, the Pisces person, mm-hmm. or Aquarius person, I mean, yeah. is a uh, ocean dweller. Right. Um... And seems to, like, have an eccentric uh, sense of style. Yes. Um, AA is a troubled, possessed, psychic teen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, and then the cat person, who uh, seems to be a wild child, yeah. uh, who lives in a cave and eats raw animals. Um, <laughs> raw and I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. <laughs> uh, and also likes to roleplay and be a cute cat. Yeah. And his friends with Terezi. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't think of anyone else. I think that's it for now of people we've like glimpsed and had teased. Right. So. We haven't, we haven't seen, uh, Adios Toreador. Uh, yet. well, we've seen him. I mean, in, we haven't seen him on Alternia. Right. Correct. So I don't know when we will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, um. We haven't seen Pisces yet. And we haven't seen a couple of other signs. Right. Um, we have another one last question um, from Brian on Twitter this time. Okay. At Dromedary. Um, who asks, do you like to lead or follow? What would the ideal size of a group for you be? Uh, I'll let you answer this. Oh, okay. Um, eh. hmm. Do I like to lead or follow? Um, I usually like to lead if, like, the group dynamic, like, accommodates that and I'm in a position for it. Like, if I'm in a position to lead, I, like, will take that position because it's 4.13 p.m., by the way. It's the Homestuck number. Oh, well, it's 5.13 p.m. for me. <laughs> oh, well, like, whatever. Um, you should have said something because we definitely blew through that hour while Sorry. recording this. Anyway, um, yeah, I, like, prefer to take that role if it is open to me and, like, it would make sense because I get very stressed out if there's a lack of direction in anything I do, and so I'll just, like, try to impose that direction if I can and I feel like I'm competent enough to, like, do it helpfully. Um, I prefer working in smaller groups of people, though. I think, like, no more than, like, no more than, like, five people tops. It starts to become really difficult to coordinate. That's a good answer. Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would probably say the same thing. You're a take charge kind of person? If it's necessary, I guess. Right. If I can, if I can contribute to everyone's, um, success by doing things. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like, um, in groups that I'm comfortable working in, mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be a leader. Like, if a group's big enough that you need a leader... That would not be the ideal size of group for me. Fair. That's Because, like, there's some, like, sociological rule of, like, a certain number of people needs a hierarchy. Uh-huh. Um, which I don't think is, like, biologically true, but is, like, socially prevalent. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I don't know what that, that is off the top of my head, and I think it's, like, more than five for sure. Yeah, I believe you. Because, like, I don't know, what I find is that, like, you need someone to just kind of, like... Keep their eye on the ball. Exactly. Like, and it doesn't necessarily, like, in smaller groups, like, it, it mostly just means that, like, that's an extra activity that they do occasionally is, like, run down a checklist and stuff, but... Yeah. You can find me online at Crunchleaf on Twitter. And Leaf Crunch on Tumblr. Like I said, I'm Brick Chip in both places. And that's the uh, end, right? Do you have any idea what we're reading next week? Another, like, 80-ish pages. 
Cool. I'm going to stop giving page numbers. We read about 80 pages a week. It's slowed down from 100 because these pages are denser. Yeah, um, it depends on the density of the pages. Yeah, I'm not going to... I don't like releasing the exact page count because we keep changing it. So That's cool. I was, that's cool. I, I'm glad you came to that conclusion on your own. <laughs> As opposed to you having to give me a stern talking to. Was that coming? <laughs> oh, no, like... No, I like I appreciate the effort that you put into it, but like it's hard to keep consistent, like because even like, once you have them prescribed, like we might need to change it. Right, I never know how long things are going to take, like especially when the structure of the story shifts. Like I never, and, and even then, like I never know exactly what is going to take longer to talk about. So yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's the end. That's the end, right? That's the end. Bye. Bye, you guys.